Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. I'm a fan of classic movies. You tell that to the black families that see their we go. sons a being race. killed that's all you twice got. the rate you of white. You got nothing else, sons. buddy. Is, you got nothing fact. else. That's a fact. You've got nothing that, else. All you want to do is fact. see the country that burn. Is the, you just want to see the country uh, burn. All, that's it. I want to see the time. country burn. You son race. of a bitch. I want to see the country burn, you punk. You're nothing but a punk. You're a punk, Bongino. You're a punk. You wouldn't tell me that to my face. We'll leave it there. Coming up, the left continues. And indeed, we will leave it there, but hello and welcome to Overlapping Dialogue, a podcast of audio commentaries dedicated to discussing cinema that fascinates us in a way we hope fascinates you. We're your co-hosts, Kyle and Levi Huffman. I'm Kyle. And I'm Levi. And we just wanted to start off today's uh, episode with a little bit of, you know, uh, current uh, current events, uh, so to speak, between Dan Bongino and uh, Geraldo Rivera, two professional blowhards yeah. um, that are in their own way you know, having a battle of wheels, right? They both have philosophies, and they both have um, ways in which they recognize themselves as men and the masculine forms in which they engage in a form of combat, but not just a physical combat, much more of an ideological or philosophical combat, which I think is also very much at play in today's film we're doing, 1961's The Hustler. Wouldn't you agree, though, Levi? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, hope you're enjoying our little games that we're starting to yeah. play now that we're... Uh, <laughs> Getting pretty comfortable in the podcast. Uh, there's a lot more in store now that you are in grade four. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, we're going to be doing The Hustler today. And as we've said in the past, this is actually part one of a part two little mini-series we're going to be doing um, about the Hustler cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, Which is strange. And we'll talk about this, but isn't it kind of strange that there is such a like Yeah, universe, and honestly, I guess, you know, now but, that no movie's ever truly dead, that there's always a yeah. sequel or something to be mined, I'm honestly... Surprised there's not like a Creed like take yeah. on the Hustler universe where like Tom Cruise is now gonna be the uh you yeah. know, the Newman role in color well, of money and like mentor yeah. some new pool hustler or frankly, whatever. Frankly it's too good. I think that's why <laughs> nobody's messing with it. Not because they would think, Oh, it's too good, we shouldn't. It's just no that's not on anybody's radar right. because it is too so good. So you're saying the Rocky movies aren't too good, is that what you're saying? Uh well, I've only seen the first one and Creed, but I mean they're fine, but they're not the Hustler, I mean. Sorry, folks, but uh, no. Uh, but uh, anyway. Well, I don't know. You know, hopefully this podcast is going to last a long time. It's very likely one day we may end up doing one of the Rocky movies. I mean, Let's just say, we I might mean, just maybe. do all of them. I don't um, know. But that's not something but, uh, I'm even excited about. I'm but always, I've always been one of those guys who thinks Rocky 1's pretty good. I think Rocky 2's actually subtly the best out of all the movies. Because that's actually an interesting point in the series where, okay, 
he actually had this unlikely almost success and about him whether he can handle that or not. Whether he can pre- change. And also, Apollo... Or you can change. <laughs> Everybody can change. That's Rocky IV. Right. So. But anyway, um, yeah, I, what, what would I know? Uh, um, but Rocky two, and it also actually Apollo, uh, uh, humanizes Apollo Creed. Yeah. Um, and makes him much more of a character. And so, anyways, uh, that's enough about our Rocky text for today. Um, <laughs> so, thinking about The Hustler. Now, this is 1961. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already talked about 60s cinema to a certain extent with when we talked about seconds. I think yeah. we'll kind of talk about some things with it again yeah. today. But, Levi, why don't you go ahead and run us through maybe the premise and also some of the main creatives involved okay. in this. Um, the Hustler is a 1961 American cinemascope drama film, also a sports film, I would say. But it's mentioned specifically cinemascope. Well, I guess it is pretty weird that it's in cinemascope because it's and, mostly in these small spaces. Well, also, cinemascope is usually, this whole era of widescreen format is so associated with color. Yeah. Um, which is interesting that this is, you know, and more and more color movies are being made in the right. mid to late 50s and the early 60s, but black and white is still a force in American cinema. Right. It's just interesting, though, that this is cinemascope, but it's... Yeah. Um, it was directed by Robert Rawson um, from Walter Tevis's 1959 novel of the same name, adapted for the screen by Rawson and Sidney Carroll. I don't think the Sidney Carroll. Well, no, what was uh, Lewis Carroll? Never mind. Oh. It was the guy that wrote Alice in Wonderland. Whatever. Yeah, and uh, I got that mixed up, so who cares? <laughs> um, and uh, it's basically just about this pool hustler named Fast Eddie Felson. What a kind of. Delson is the last yeah. name. Sounds like Belching or like, <laughs> like sounds like or Delsum or something. No, you would imagine, you know, Gleason's character being named something akin to a Belch. But right, you know, well, you know. he has uh, another name yeah. that we'll get to in a moment. But uh, Felson um, is this kind of, uh, like I said, small time pool hustler, desire to break into the major league. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of really low on the totem pole and plays Jackie Gleason, who plays at Minnesota Fats. Which Jackie Gleason um, should be said, uh, a memorable supporting character of Underworld. Uh, by Don that's Lillard. true. Uh, I mean, that mustard that was just going down his, uh, he's holding like a hot dog that he forgot was there, supposedly. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I wonder what but, the Gleason estate thought of that moment. I don't know. Um... I mean, I would have loved. I, he would have. He would have loved it. I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, anyway, but um, and he plays him early in the movie, and that's actually a really long sequence. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the movie. Um, None of the pool sequences after that are that long. I no, think, I, and even the climactic one isn't as long as that. Which is think. very. Uh, we'll talk about this when we go through the movie. Very interesting subversion to have the longer sequence earlier. Right. I think the impulse by yeah. most people would be to have the shorter one first and the longer right. one toward the climax. So, um, But basically, that kind of happens, and that kind of shows, oh, he has promise, and then like through the rest of the movie, it's him kind of trying to build himself up um, with help from George C. Scott's character, um, Burt Gordon is his name, who is literally the slimiest... Most contempt, maybe the most contemptible character in yeah. the movie I can think. Well, well, I, George I know C. Scott excels at bit. usually playing right. contemptible um, people characters. So. And of course, uh, a kind of, and I said this the last time we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and we didn't hear advice about this movie that I felt like the there's a section in the movie in the middle where it's just kind of like him and uh, Piper Laurie, who I'm about to talk about in just a second, uh, of Newman and Piper Laurie just kind of hanging out, not doing a whole lot. And I remember those portions of the movie, I'm always kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of, not, if not boring, just kind of like, okay, you know, whatever about this. But I think the more I think about it, and we'll see what my opinion of it this time is, is obviously he's kind of building up this kind of uh, relationship between them. Of course, she's this kind of other kind of lost soul who kind of 
uh, alcoholic, I think, who kind of travels, starts to travel around with him, and they kind of fall in love. But uh, it's, I guess, would be a spoiler to say, but you'll find out later things don't work out well, pretty much just because of George C. Scott. So, um, yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's just basically the whole movie is him playing pool. It's a randomly long movie. It's about two hours and fourteen minutes, so it's kind of long uh, for for that type of movie, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll run through the cast really quickly. Paul Newman, obviously, is Eddie Felson. I mean, well, uh, let's go through the well, cast because we're right. going to talk more about okay. Paul Newman. Jackie Gleason, uh, of course, is Minnesota Fats. He's only in like basically two really long scenes of the movie, but he gets a lot of like. Uh, and it should be said, you know, Gleason at this particular moment was yeah. a huge star, mm-hmm. uh, mostly a TV star. Um, of course, the Honeymooners was huge. Um, Skadoo was yet to be, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. Um, but like and, I mean, years at later. this point, you know, he, uh, Fred Flintstone himself uh, is basically a version of Jackie Gleason. Yeah. Um, and you know, Gleason usually excels as being loud gregarious, like, really immediately makes an impression. He certainly makes an impression in this movie, but not in the way that you're usually used to seeing him. He's a lot quieter, a lot subtler, and I think that's a credit to him that he was, you know, uh, wasn't going to do the usual Gleason stick, exactly. And I would imagine a lot of people walking in this movie assume he would be classic Jackie Gleason that you'd see on TV, but he's not that, and that's actually to his credit that he's I'm going to send this cue ball to the moon, you know, or whatever. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Jimmy said Minnesota Fats is the only character on (laughs) the Wikipedia cast who has his own uh, Wikipedia page. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, and what's interesting about his place in the movie is that he, I guess, is sort of a villain, but, like, what I like so much about his character is he's just the best. And he kind of is bored, right. you can tell, with being the best. And that it's more obviously the kind of final climactic kind of game between him and Felsen is a lot more of Felsen versus Scott than right. it is Felsen versus Yeah, I mean, like, you, Fats, like you're but, saying, Scott's yeah. honestly more of the villain. Yeah. And um, Jackie Gleason's almost the Darth Vader to... The, yeah, because uh, he kind of doesn't know, really care... And they and they have a respect for each other that they get by the end of the movie. He's a very interesting place in the movie that I think is both almost overblown by like the um, people's memory of him in the movie and the like you know marketing, but is actually subtly I wouldn't even say underrated, but actually as great as people say it is. It, think, but it's kind of in this other yeah, way. I, I think all that was great. I can't now just help but think of Jackie Gleason as Darth Vader. <laughs> um, just like imagining Jackie Gleason, like, and it's and the suit is shaped, right? Like but Jackie he's like Gleason, lumbering around yeah. with a lightsaber. Like, I yeah. am your father, you know. Just yeah, like, like I'm your father, look like yeah. yeah. That's wow. I don't even know if that even sounds like Jackie Gleason. Anyway, but, uh, yeah. But um, he was doing other things in 1977. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr Pepper, and make it fast. I'm in a goddamn hurry. You want something? Puppy, Daddy. Got no time for that what a care! What a performance in that movie. I mean, we'll talk. We've kind of talked about that performance already as uh, Smokey in Smokey and the Bandit, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again at some yeah, point. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a theory know. about certain performances like that that I want to talk about. I want to unveil to the world at some point. Uh, no, no big spoiler. Yeah, right? but um, but yeah, we'll be talking about okay. that movie eventually. Um, of course, Piper Laurie, who I mentioned. You know what's funny about this is her name is Sarah Packard. Of course, in Twin Peaks, which we most know her from. A lot of people right. know her from Carrie, obviously, right. as well. Yeah. But um, I've always thought of her as, you know, Twin Peaks. I think that's what most people actually think of her in is probably Twin Peaks. 
But that her name is, uh, you know, uh, oh gosh, what is her name in that? Well, now I can't remember, but it, but the other name is the Packard Sawmill that she kind yeah. of owns. Um, but uh, Catherine Martell. Right. Um, but that, yeah, so I wonder if that's a reference to this. I guess it would have to be, I would think. I mean... Uh, now, there's but, so many 50s and 60s references in that show. Yeah. I would imagine that has um, to be somehow. Like connected. I said, I think she is really good in this movie. It's just one of those things that, frankly, when I was a younger uh, male and and I watched the movie, I'm just oh, this is so cool. I could care less about that. Yeah. But that's actually something I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to this time around because I think that is actually pretty interesting now. But at the time, I wasn't. But anyway, very uh, sad character, uh, sad end. But yeah. anyway, we'll talk about that later. George C. Scott as Burt Gordon. We kind of already talked about him. I think uh, one of the um, reviews we read said this was only his like third movie. Yeah, which is interesting because this is only a few years even before Doctor Strangelove, which you know kind of propelled him to another yeah. level um, of performance and I would say probably stardom. Um, uh, I said always plays contemptible characters pretty much. I mean, uh, what was that movie you saw? The Hanging Tree recently yeah, with yeah, Gary Cooper. Um, he was like barely in or yeah, something. He had yeah. a pretty small role in that and he played a he, it wasn't a huge, huge role, but he right. played a low-key monster. But again, um, I've still never seen his version of The Christmas Carol. I've seen and Everybody talks about he's like one of the best uh, uh, Scrooges, and I would believe it. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, he, he fits the yeah. bill for that right. type of part. So, yeah. uh, Michael Caine's our favorite. Yeah. My favorite, anyways, I'd yeah. say. Um, Myron McCormick as Charlie. Um, I think that's like, in the movie, Felson's like, kind of advisor and helper who kind of gets squeezed out eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was looking. He wasn't actually in a whole lot of movies. He was just kind of in stage and theater work mainly. But I mean, he he's fine. Just you know, I wouldn't say forgettable, but just not a whole lot to say about him in the movie. Murray Hamilton, who's only in one scene yeah. um, as uh, Findlay, um, who of course that's when they go to like the Kentucky Derby and they like play him as like, oh, I want to play this type of billiards. It ain't like the same thing as pool. Yeah. It's like a different thing, and they have to play that because they're wanting to like make money so they can have a bigger stake in another yeah. game or something. But anyway, I mean, yeah, he just has, like, kind of one scene as this, like, rich kind of southern redneck guy, like, uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's always yeah. great and everything, so, you know. Michael Constantine as Big John. <laughs> big Bad uh, John. Big Bad John, that song. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, don't remember him in the movie particularly. I guess we'll see. Uh, I guess he's that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, Stefan Gerich as Preacher. I didn't even remember that there was a Preacher in this movie, or maybe that's just a nickname, I don't know. Um, Clifford Palo as Turk. <laughs> Jake LaMotta and Vincent Gardenia as bartenders. Wow. That's, uh, uh, that's, <laughs> what that's a, two bartenders what a, I wouldn't expect. What a pair of people to be, be said, getting, you filling know, you with drinks, you know I mean? Jake LaMotta, of course, very iconically was played by Robert De Niro in the movie Raging Bull. Um, and even in his own right, was an iconic boxer no, as yeah, well. Sure, but yeah, but yeah, but um, it, it's interesting that this is not that far removed from the years of Raging Bull would have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, well, and even that he, and then even that later, that in that decade in the eighties, that Scorsese would make a sequel to this movie. Right. Um, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And Gardenia, um, uh, love Vincent Gardenia. Yeah. Uh, and Evan Collins. Uh, let's see if there's anybody else. Charles Deercop as Pool Room Hood. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to look this guy's picture up because he's supposedly in some other things. Says he was in... uh... Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, he's in... uh... 
He's in the Sting, and he's in the Sting's uh, what I'm Bush Cassidy. Of. Yeah, because he, I guess he must have worked a lot with Paul Newman. I guess. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, Paul, I've seen him. He, Paul Newman fed his children. Um. Anyway, that's pretty much the that's pretty much the main group um, of people there. By the way, I want to remark upon this poster. Um, isn't this one of the weirdest posters you've ever seen for a movie? It looks very it like Marlon without Brando, compromise like, into yeah. the hungers that lie deep. Within us all, but isn't that like a very like Marlon Brando like yeah. uh, uh, method acting kind of thing? Which it, you know, and and Newman got compared a lot to Brando. I, but yeah. like you would think on the poster, it would be like playing pool, but it's like him and Piper Laurie embracing, and there's like this very 1950s, 1960s silhouette, and then Jackie Gleason's just at the bottom. Like that's one of the weirdest posters I've ever seen. Yeah, for anything odd. for a movie this great, I think it's pretty weird anyway. yeah but but uh, uh i kind of yeah. wanted us to punt on paul newman ever yeah. so temporarily because i want us to talk about him here because i mean paul newman is undeniably one of the america's greatest movie stars ever yeah. in any era um and this was a young paul newman this was right. paul newman in the early 60s um he would think, have done like cat on a hot tin roof before this yeah and, uh yeah. tennessee williams adaptation right. is, is quite he's quite good in that that's quite a good little movie um but again um for you, and not just of this era, but any era, what, yeah. what does Paul Newman kind of represent as far as just a screen presence that maybe well, makes him distinctive from either his contemporaries or those who have come since? I think that, um, well, this was probably other than Cool Hand Luke, which I've still not seen all of, and I feel really bad That's about. Really good, but I've tried to watch that a couple times, and various things have like interrupted it. Yeah. Um. But other than that, this was probably the first thing I really saw and knew of him in. And I originally, when I saw kind of what he looked like, I was like, oh, he must be kind of like another Marlon Brando type because I would have, because I had obviously seen like The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. So I had kind of already transitioned into more of that, like, oh, the Brando of the 70s, which is one of my favorite era, and Superman, part of that too. Yeah. It's one of my favorite decades of any actor, I think, is just on another level. Um, but that I had gone back and seen like the wild one, um, and was kind of aware of on the waterfront, but hadn't seen yeah. it yet. And I kind of thought, oh, well, there's that. And James Dean was another kind of thing too that was sort of part of that as well. But that kind of method acting thing. But I was, oh, he must be another one of those types. Or Montgomery Clift is another yeah. one I saw as that. So I kind of saw them as kind of similar, of like, oh, Newman and Clift are kind, of, you know, part of that. Oh, maybe they aren't as good. Um. Paul Newman's one of the greatest actors I think that um, has ever lived. Yeah, I mean, um, and well, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I think really him and Jack Nicholson are yeah. two of the best actors in terms of because there's at least two metrics for any right. actor or actress. There's like actual acting ability, yeah, and their movie stardomness or movie yeah. star movie star power, um, and those sometimes work together, but sometimes are different things. Um, I think both of them, Newman and Nicholson, have the best grades in, uh, combined of both of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because some people, like uh, my personal fave, Warren Beatty, Warren Beatty's a really great movie star. Yeah. Warren Beatty is an actor. I'd say, like, as a movie star, he's like an A+. plus. As an actor, on average, he's like a B+, plus, which yeah, is qu sure. pretty good, yeah. right? Um, you have somebody like, random, really random pivot, uh, Steve Buscemi. Okay, yeah. Steve Buscemi is like an A minus A actor, yeah, with like a B level movie star. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. I mean, and so that's not to diminish talents in any way. It's right. just saying these are they're different things, right? Yeah. Um, 
But when you get when you watch a Paul Newman movie, of which in the last few years alone I've seen a great many yeah. more than I yeah. had in the past, um, you know you're not only getting him as a movie star, but you're going to get a movie star talent that is also a really great actor, yeah. also. And also, just he not all of his movies, but he had you know he directed some movies. He produced movies. You know, even if a movie of his isn't all that good, you know that he just didn't go into it willy-nilly. That he yeah. really put a lot of intention into the movies he made. Um, and talking about the generational thing, what really fascinates me about like him, Robert Redford, and even Warren Beatty, is that they were the first generation of actors in the late 50s, early 60s, who were coming right after Brando, yeah. Montgomery Cliff, even before that, like John Garfield, people yeah. who are trying to be a little bit more methody and method actory, and so they were the pretty boys who kind of got their foot in the door just before the system started to change. Where yeah. all of a sudden, by the mid to late sixties, New Hollywood was getting kicked off. By that point, you had Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, people that we honestly cared more as a movie going public about whether or not they were great actors or not. Were they yeah. authentic? Yeah. And I think we can agree all three of them and many more were really mm -hmm. awesome actors. Yeah. Um, but um, again, Newman, Redford, Beatty, some other ones in there, they kind of are in the middle between yeah. that Brando and old Hollywood generation. And again, Brando was a transformational figure, but like one step in the past and one that's about to come. Yeah. Um, and both and all those talents had new Hollywood movies they were involved in, but they were honestly a little bit of a slightly just about five years or maybe a little more older than some of those new Hollywood people that you most yeah. associate with new Hollywood. So I think that's what's fascinating about that little mini micro generation is that they kind of were groomed to be the next Cliff or the right. next Brando. When well, acting's not even going to remain that for too much longer because it's going right. to become something different. Um. And as far as Newman goes, I mean, I think as an actor, he aged probably the best out of anybody I was going to say, generation. Is that I mean, I, I, as he got yeah. older, he really had a lot of great parts that still facilitated his aging. Like Cars. <laughs> well, yeah, Cars is <laughs> Yeah, but thing, I'm just but, kidding, but yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah. I mean, some of his later performances, like uh, even Road to Perdition, uh, Hutsucker Proxy... Um, even the verdict and color money. Yeah, I mean put, those are those both two. in the eighties right. a little bit before, yeah. but it's an older Newman. Right. Um, uh, he's just so great in, it. and yeah, you just see his face, and you just can't help but love Paul Newman. And in that way, he's almost like a Tom Hanks uh, in his day, in terms of you just see him, and you're in a good mood, even if he's playing a character that uh, right. is darker character. Yeah, because I think um, that something. Whenever I think about him, I think of in this movie or. Uh, especially something like, um, you know, um, I just it just lost me. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah. Kid, this kind of wiliness to him, and that he's always like, oh, this little scamp, and he's always getting by on his looks and his wit, and yeah, like right. he rarely has ever played, I think, a character who is totally like totally lovable. I think, yeah, even in his. Even he's always smiling and laughing, but it's like he's always kind of a sob. I yeah. mean, you know, like even in that, you know, um, it's very true. So you know, I, I think that's interesting about uh, him is that I always love him, but he's rarely ever actually totally, you know, love. Which is anybody, I guess, no. But like, especially his performances, I find to be very. It's unlike somebody like Brando, like a performance like on the waterfront, where I'm like, yeah, I pretty much. Totally support this individual. I mean, he's made mistakes, but like, 
he is making these decisions of right and wrong that are definitive that he goes in the right direction. Right. Whereas something like this movie, especially, or with Butch Cassidy, where he is straight up an outlaw who, oh, it doesn't kill people, but like, you know, kind of thing. But like, because there's a famous moment there that is movie a, where he's like, yeah. I've never killed anybody before or whatever like you know there's a moral complexity right. there and i think a uh, uh, movie yeah. that we recently watched and uh, i know i really loved it yeah, a lot harper yeah um of course in that he's it's kind of talking funny talking about inherent vice that's yeah. another kind of shaggy dog la detective story it reminded but, uh, me a lot of inherent vice and like, um yeah. of course he's trying to do good in that movie but it's not purely for the virtue or right and wrong it's he's being hired to do a job and He's also spent a lot of time not doing his job, calling up his estranged wife and trying Janet to get Lee the, character, uh, yeah. trying to get back with right. her. Um, and again, it's just like even those characters that he's not necessarily a hundred percent a moral, uh, morally righteous person. You just root for him, um, yeah. In part because well, the plot's telling me that this is our main character and we have to. But again, he just has that um, undeniable charm that is. Again, generational because you have a lot of movie stars now, like the Chris's, yeah, Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, uh, what are Chris Evans, uh, one more, Chris Elliott, Chris Elliott, <laughs> <laughs> um, that you know are pushed as oh, the they try to make them to be the Chris Paul Hemsworth, Newman, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. yeah, they try to be like the handsome, blonde headed, Paul Newman ish type, um, but. Nobody's Paul really Newman, the best. The best versions of any of those actors are them doing their own thing because you can't just really replicate Paul Newman. I think the again out of those actors, the best one is probably Chris Pine. Yeah, so I think about his performance a lot in Hell or High Water, a movie that I don't normally think all that much about, but yeah. I do like him a lot yeah. in it. Um, because you can't replicate Paul Newman. It's just no. Paul Newman is Paul Newman. Um, and again, it, just as a performer, he always keeps it fresh. It always feels like it's. Uh, a lot of intention behind what he's doing, and it just feels like, again, it's caught between two eras in time. And as um, his career got older, again, I think he really aged into older man parts really, really well. Yeah. Um, and again, there, there was a lot of intention in a lot of the things that he did, and he didn't just necessarily do a movie just because of it. Yeah. I mean, there are some not so awesome movies around here, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who has. Butch Cassidy that has this movie that has Color Money that has um, the verdict. I mean, yeah. he just really. I mean, in his own way, I, yeah. whatever he's doing at that period of time acts as a bit of a way station about what the general trajectory of Hollywood is, yeah. which makes his career a valuable and one to look of at course, and study during this time. Something that I feel stupid we haven't mentioned yet is him starring in and directing sometimes a great notion. Oh yeah, um, which is. Both, I'd say, especially for me, but I think for you too, one of our favorite new movies oh, we've yeah. seen Most definitely. recently, which is a movie I'd never really heard anything about, but I saw it has him and Henry Fonda, and I'm like, okay, I'm there. Um, because I, the reason I was going to bring that up is because I was thinking Henry Fonda, I think, is another person who was kind of able to do that mm -hmm. um, and be uh, play some really kind of challenging roles. Because Henry Fonda in that movie is one of the, the most other contemptible characters in any movie. I mean, you know. Um, and that's what I love about Newman in that role, is I think that's one of his... Uh, that might even be his best performance, I think, maybe. It's way up there, um, Because he's not even playing the little bit of good that he is in a lot of movies. He's just, yeah. he's a pretty evil guy in that movie, too. And, and, and it's, again, um, it's, of course, the me mechanisms of the yeah. plot are rooting for, r making us root for him to succeed. 
But there are a few scenes where you really chafe and stop and go, what is this guy all about again? Yeah. And is he doing things that are actually harming the community? Right. Um, and again, the way that whole movie ends, remember? Yeah. Uh, no, because that's uh, the thing. Very, is very like... Even uh, about yeah. that character's exorcism of pride more than that's it what I'm is, saying uh, is like that any kind of public even good. even his climactic resolution is about I'm an sob and I'm going to yeah. continue to be an sob. Yeah. It's just like yeah, so um, that's another movie I wanted to bring up. Which spoil we'll probably do that on this podcast one of these days because yeah. we're big fans of that. But um, and we really want to read the King Casey book. Too. Yeah, of course, and yeah, I should mention that as well. That I know that's a pretty long book, actually. So, which is funny because the movie's only about two hours. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's what kind of has made him endure to me is roles like that. That I won't say other people are too uh, cautious to take, but that to really be as I that's the movie I think to kind of hang it all on. Actually. Uh, with him is sometimes a great notion of like that he's willing to be a movie star, but then also be like, I'm going to take this book and this role and I'm going to be, make myself look this bad. Like, uh, you know, because some people would look at that, those characters and be like, Oh yeah, they're the hardworking type. Never give an inch is what their whole philosophy is. is. And it's like, uh, but they are definitively bad people. I mean, uh, you know, and, and there's kind of a whole moral question there, um, uh, in the movie with uh, the uh, Michael Sarazen character, character that of he's that younger kind of brother that comes back and uh, uh, is kind of like coming back into the family, and then um, Lee Remick is kind of Paul Newman's wife, and about the question of why am I still even here, and yeah. should I leave, and there are a lot of kind of moral questions that are going off kind of to the side, and that are very dealt with, I think. Um, in the movie, but ultimately it's kind of just them uh, being evil the whole time. Yeah. I mean, you know, but but like you said, the whole movie is structured in a way where you want to root for their success. But like, um, you know, anyway, we're going to talk about the movie a lot uh, later at some point. So, and uh, I think another thing I want to mention too, thinking about Paul Newman, is some of the stars of this day that were quite good, but not quite as good for whatever reason. One actor that we me and you both have never personally felt the fondest attention for um, is Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. Steve McQueen, but um, frankly, a lot of the movies are set up to make Steve McQueen the coolest I mean, he's guy the smiling, ever. smiling, baseball playing, renegade in The Great Escape. Yeah, There's I mean, not a whole lot there. I mean, he, you know. And he, uh, he, there, one movie that I actually recently saw that I actually quite liked him in and thought the movie was quite good was um, Cincinnati Kid. Which is a remake of The Hustler, which by is, the way. Yeah, um, and I, I thought of that because it's very similar yeah. structure, and it's like you can tell him trying to do his version of this type of movie. Um, and while it is good, and that has a really great late Edward G. Robinson performance, he's basically the Minnesota right. Fats type yeah. older actor guy. Um, I'm going to get you with this flush, see? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you watch out for that flush now. Like... <laughs> That, um, again, like, a lot of the Steve McQueen roles that he's in in movies really, again, yeah. set him up as the unambiguously cool uh, B.A. guy, right? Yeah. Um, and Paul Newman, again, as you were saying, Paul Newman's characters are sometimes a version of that, but ultimately he's not, he's very, very, not only willing, I would say, almost requires of a lot of these parts to have something that us as an audience maybe slightly chafes at, but 
still ultimately embraces because he's who he is who he is. Yeah. Um, and so I just think, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay or diminish that of Steve McQueen, yeah. but just to say, I think Paul Newman is a little bit of a better version of yeah. something else that was being attempted that time with certain yeah. movie stars. And should be said, the only time I don't I really think their careers uh, crossed paths was the Tower and Inferno, mm-hmm. which it really was like the poster. You can even look at it yeah. along. was like Newman, uh, uh, McQueen inside yeah. there are the two big stars OJ Simpson like, yeah, right. OJ Simpson yeah <laughs> um, yeah uh, and yeah. so it, it is a, you know yeah and I think and I think that's another thing about somebody like why and my two favorite actors uh, William Holden and, also uh, oh, Dunn, right yeah he, yeah um, my t- network stars Robert um, Wagner Robert Vaughn <laughs> Um, any other kill- are there any other killers in that movie? No. Like, but, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Robert Wagner and uh, OJ. Um, but uh, you know that I think that's uh, my two favorite actors are uh, James Cagney and J- Jack Nicholson, and then Paul Newman would be pretty high up there somewhere. Um, but that I think what I love about somebody like Jack Nicholson and and Newman kind of, but Jack Nicholson especially. Uh, and uh, this movie, uh, spoiler, we'll be uh, talking about before too long. Five Easy Pieces. Um, a performance in a movie like that of Jack Nicholson, who obviously came to prominence in it with Easy Rider and those types of movies. So it's not to say that he was in these big movies that were like, you know, studio, like, oh, he is the star, you know. Yeah, I mean, he made his bones in the Corman circuit. He, yeah, yeah, and he started as more independent and taking these more character actor roles. But I just think about a performance like... Um, Jack Nicholson in Five Easy Pieces is this, like, who starts out as this redneck oil rig worker who, like, plays, goes and bowls mm-hmm. and drinks beer and, uh, you know, is just this very, like, you know, redneck kind of guy. But then he goes back to his family, which is this real privileged background. It's just these clashing of... I think it's just the complexity of people like that and Newman that make them so much more memorable and make them kind of stand the test of time, frankly, more than somebody like McQueen would or some of these other actors. Um, Even... um, I really have a lot of affinity for Robert Redford. I think even he um, took a lot of parts that... It's like a better version of the McQueen thing, where a lot of his parts really positioned him as the face. And, oh, sure, he had a thing or two that maybe wasn't all that great, but... I don't necessarily always see the same level of, and again, I, I love Robert Redford actually yeah. quite a bit. Um, but and they're always linked, of course, um, Newman and him because of, uh, of course, Butch Cassidy, but also the Sting. Um, another random movie, just throwing out Paul Newman movies. I, I, I hate to we didn't mention yet Life and Times of Judge Roy oh, Bean oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. which I saw oh he's a totally uh, contemptible character about that. a year and yeah. a half ago for the first yeah. time and totally loved that movie yeah. and that's another one that the western at that particular time was obviously going through its own ebbs and flows and transitions and again it's like kind of a western that was you know directed by John Huston himself I mean it was in the kind of classic Hollywood um, style but also, it's evolving with the times. Yeah. And that's the big thing about Newman, I think about, is that he's always, well, I'm kind of the classic, out-of-the-box, Buzz Lightyear movie star that you want, 
but I'm not going to only ever be in that place. I'm yeah. always going to move with the times, and I'm always going to adapt. And that just, and even a role know. like uh, another movie that always reminds me of is uh, Buffalo Bill yeah. and uh, the and the Indians or Sitting Bull's History Lesson. Um, where we worked with Altman, of right. course. And uh, just that that's another performance that is just so... It's, it reminds me a lot of Judge Roy Bean, not only because it's a Western, but just his uh, personality in that. And I think, you know, but. those two movies you just take as... Westerns that Paul Newman was in. I think people at the, you know, it was the the way that, uh, that 70s was obviously an incredibly cynical time. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only America, but around the world. And I think that, you know, we almost take for granted how interrogatory, or how, how much those movies interrogate the Western. Yeah. And the fact that somebody like Paul Newman, who by all intents and purposes should be the smiling guy that's in the do-good western total yeah. white hat kind of guy that he's willing to again like be no I'm gonna take this very American art form and I'm gonna really pull it yeah. at it for all it's worth and see what comes out yeah. at that that specific yeah. time period. And what's know? interesting about those two roles is they're both based on real mm-hmm. American West fixtures too. Right, that's um, true. Yeah. And that it's kind of he's willing to. And those movies, and both of those movies are especially, uh, both of them are especially interested in the idea of myth making, and it's not accurate to those men exactly. But it's but making it, a point. But yeah. it's saying, but these men were real, and they did do these things. It's not like I'm going to be the hero that's going to come into town and save the day. It's like, no, these were real people who were not good people, and this is what they did, even though it is in itself a myth. And yeah. that he was willing to do that. And still be a movie star and do that. Whole and then thing, again, I think know. he's one of the few actors of that time that could make something that cynical and walk away scot free, and oh, people yeah. not think of yeah. him as this because he's uh, Paul Newman. He had already, you know, and it should be said uh, he was, he was a huge um, advocate against the war in Vietnam. Yeah. He was a pretty big liberal over the course of his life. Um, but you just bring him up to even you know typical oh, yeah. conservative people. I feel like today and the old Paul, everybody loves Paul Newman yeah. because Paul Newman's Paul Newman. Yeah, because know, like as they, an example. We were doing a church function where we did those like adopted grandparent things, yeah. which was basically to explain that was at our church we had this thing where we would have like uh, a youth, somebody in the youth group would uh, be kind of paired with an older uh, member of the church, and it was kind of a way to kind of it was very a uh, good idea to kind of bridge the gap between yeah. age. And I remember we were doing this whole kind of thing where it was like they were showing pictures of people, and it was like guess who this is. And they showed a picture of Paul Newman from The Hustler. And, of course, all the adults knew who it was, and I was the only kid who knew who it was. But that, that kind of was this moment of, I remember my uh, uh, adopted grandparent, Walter Callis, and I were kind of, he was like, oh, you know who that is? I was like, yeah, yeah, I love Paul Newman, you know. And this was years ago now. But yeah. I had seen that movie probably only so long before that. But, no, I mean, he's very beloved by um, all kinds of people. So it yeah. um, really bridges that gap. Uh, do we want to talk about the hustler real quickly before we kind of? Yeah, I get guess to um, that question of why are we doing this one and also yeah. the color of money. I guess. Uh, yeah, why? Well, I'm a big fan of this movie, and I've always loved it. I think that, and I, I was going to say when I had seen it, it was in that uh, Netflix instant era mm-hmm. where it was like because I saw it kind of around that time when I think that the when Netflix was actually at its best when they were actually putting really good movies on yeah. there. It was like this, Chinatown, Network, Dog Day Afternoon, stuff like that I saw originally by way of Netflix. Um and 
uh, I'm trying to think of other random stuff like, uh, well, I saw Easy Rider that way or, um, you know, or just random stuff like that, um, that it really was an era where it was, like, oh, the best types of movies are on there. So I always remember that when I think about this movie was being one of those. Um, like I said, it's a movie that it was shocking to see because of the structure of it is just very different. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, you can do that in a movie, have that long of scenes and, um, uh, it really does, and I know we say this about a lot of things, and we said this about seconds already, uh, but it really is a very modern movie. It still feel, has sensibilities that are pretty risky for that time. Especially certain things in the movie, I think that it does. I'm like, wow, it really did that in 1961? That's kind of a little bit far, you know. Um, but I think that's why it has remained so memorable, is that it is so down and dirty and gritty in a way that is not in the, like, 2009's Watchmen sense of right. gritty, but like actually like yeah. really a mean, pretty angry movie that even has its own sense of redemption. But in something like with the color of money, will later has a sense of redemption, but it's all for like pride and selfish reasons. It's not like oh I'm a hero. It's more of this like I want to succeed because I want to yeah. rather than I want to be a hero. So I think that's what. When you talk, uh, everybody's obsessed with the anti-hero now. Like, uh, this is an actual version of that that is like real, yeah, um, and actually earned. I think one thing, but yeah, that this movie represents to me that's unfortunately went by the wayside is the whole notion and idea of again. Newman was a relatively young actor when this came out. Uh, let's see how old he was exactly. He was born in 1925. He's actually a little older than I thought he was. Um, getting towards 40. Yeah, he was like in his... Uh, Mid-30s. Mid 35 30s. he would have been when they were making it, probably. Um, but nowadays in Hollywood, um, you do all the small little parts, and oh, that that uh, you're the young actor to watch out for. That means you you know how you get rewarded? You get to be in the next big superhero movie. Or you mm-hmm. get to be in the next Star Wars yeah, movie. Yeah, or you're you Timothy be... Chalamet, and you get to be Paul Trades in Dune. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Which is a better version of Oh, no, of it is. No, and, um, it, and I'm actually excited for that. So, but yeah, it's but... like, oh, you get your next big franchise right. part. Now, we all know that the Hollywood of uh, 1961 is a very different Hollywood than of 2021. Um, and then, in some ways, things are better in terms of, of course... Uh, you know, Me Too's brought this out of mm-hmm. the way women are treated or way and minorities uh, have people far of color larger, have way more agency right. now. Yeah. But as far as, you know, the trajectory of a movie star, mm-hmm. I think is undeniably now at a far worse place than it was oh, in 1961. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, if you look at kind of Paul Newman's career leading up to this, you have some small roles. I mean, his uh, The Silver Chalice, which is his very first film role, Golden Globe Award for Most Promising Newcomer Male, so yeah. immediately he was on the map of somebody to look out for. A few years later, by 1958, he's in four movies. The Long Hot Summer, which he won the Cannes Film Award for Best Film Actor, uh, or Best Actor. The Left-Handed Gun, where he played Billy the Kid. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, which at that point was a little bit of a breakthrough for him. He got yeah. uh, nominated for Best Actor in that. Um, and then Rally Around the Flag Boys. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. <laughs> okay. Um, but then by 60, he was in Exodus, which I know he got mm-hmm. some uh, good reviews for. But then this was almost the culminating act in terms of the yeah. the origin of his movie stardom really hits its apex right here with The Hustler. 
Um, and I think that's just, you know, the way things used to be. And the way things used to be weren't always necessarily better in a variety of ways. Yeah. But when it comes to this era of the trajectory of a male movie star, again, undeniably, it's at a better place now. I think in some ways for an uh, actress, it's probably better now oh, in terms yeah. of uh, the trajectory of an uh, yeah. actress. Um, but in terms of the the trajectory of the, especially the white male movie star, that you had all these chances to be in these smaller movies, and then you get the big, okay, this is the movie where you're the star. And for that, for this era, you get to be in The Hustler. Now you get to be Moon Knight or whatever, yeah. right? Um, right? And so... I, you know, there's part of me that's just frustrated with the watching a movie like this because of the uh, this used to be the trajectory that movie stars went, uh, and they had more choices in that way than they do now. And mm-hmm. it, but regardless, that's just something that comes to my mind when I look at this. Um, and looking at his performances, I mean, he was nominated for whew, best actor one, two, three. Um, four. Another movie we mentioned throughout there, Torn Curtain. Uh, I've not actually seen that. That's yeah. his uh, Hitchcock movie. What yeah. do you think of that? It's pretty good. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, I'd actually like to go back and watch it now because I'm more interested. Even when I had first seen that, I wasn't. I like was aware who Paul Newman was, but it didn't mean a whole lot to me to see it at that time. But now I'd be like, oh, what's the Paul Newman Hitchcock yeah. movie? Really, I remember it being okay. But um, by the time he won in the Color Money, I think he was nominated like six times. I'm surprised he hadn't won for the verdict already. He was that. nominated right, for that. But, he was probably um, pretty close. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who would have won that year. But um, What's the movie he didn't even clean those? Harry and Son? Harry or? and Son. Uh, oh, that's uh, that movie he directed. Yeah. Yeah. It's got Ellen Barkin, Robert Benson, Wilford Brimley, jo- his wife Joanne Woodward, okay. Ossie Davis. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Paul Newman. Love Paul Newman. So... And we'll talk more about color money later, but and we can talk about it again. I think what's so interesting to me about and why we're kind of doing this is because, frankly, it gives me another excuse to watch the color money, which I think is very important. But um, is that I love the hustler, and I'm a really big fan of that. Uh, didn't really like the color money all that much, um, mainly because I felt like uh, I was mostly on board for quite a bit of it. But then by the end, he just kind of decides, no, I do want to play again. And it's kind of very non-verbally done. Like I said, and I said this last time, maybe it was too subtle and went over my head or something. I don't know. But like I felt like I was like, I don't really get that, and I don't understand that. Um, but I just think it's interesting that a sequel to this movie was made. Um, yeah, very strange. Well, and, well, I think it's well, a very different style and very different type of movie than this, I think, too. Um, both uh, in their own way are representations of the errors yeah. they were made, I think, yeah. pretty distinctly. Um, right. But yeah, we'll be talking about that a lot more, uh, Color Money, that is, next week, in A Little Man Named Martin Scorsese. Um, so, we're going to take a brief break. Uh, you're getting ready to hear the trailer for uh, The Hustler, and then after that, we'll be back to record the commentary.
I could always buy a bottle. Fifth of scotch. What do you want me to do? Just step out in the alley? Is that it? Big John, do you think this boy is a hustler? Sausage, rack him up. I've got troubles, and I think maybe you've got troubles. Maybe it'd be better if we just leave each other alone. I got my things over at the hotel. I'll bring them over later. Come here. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, what do you want to know? And why? You're hearing a rain check, and I know it. You're hanging on by your nails. Let that glory whistle ring out loud and clear for Eddie, and you're a wreck on a railroad track. Your horse had finished last. Now, don't make trouble, Miss Ladybug. Live and let live. While you can. You tell your boys, they better kill me, Bert. They better go all the way with me. Because if they just bust me up, put all those pieces back together again, and then so help me. So help me, God, Bert. I'm going to come back here and I'm going to kill you. After that uh, lengthy trailer, you know that's what's funny about at that time, especially uh, trailers were so long. Um, yeah. You know, the only trailer I can think of that's that long nowadays. Uh, remember, there was that trailer for the girl with the dragon tattoo. I don't think it was like the general trailer, but it was like kind of long. Yeah, yeah um, and I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, most movie trailers aren't that long nowadays. That's the only version I can think of that. And that movie's already weird enough that they're like, oh, we'll do that for that. Yeah, so uh, we're watching anyway. this on the uh, standard <laughs> issue 20th Century Fox R.I.P. Blu-ray. Uh, so that's how we're watching this. Uh, so yeah. Uh, there's no rating for this either, by the way, because uh, of course... There's production uh, code. Didn't have the MPAA yet. So. Uh, production code, though, was in the early to mid-60s on the decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really remember a whole lot racy in this movie, technically. In term- I mean, not, I mean, there's some sexual stuff kind of in the middle, but other than that, uh, no, not really. Yeah. Uh, well, the, and of course, something that the Piper Laurie conclusion is pretty, you know, dark, uh, yeah. dark, but, I mean, it's nothing really shown. Um, but it's not even really any worse than what was in Citizen Kane, almost. No, I'd say some of that really. stuff in that, but yeah. uh, and that was like a long. That was like forty years before this. But, so we're gonna hit uh, yep. play in five, four, three, two, one. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, the egg, the uh, the zero that looks like an egg. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> something I wonder to remark upon now with the 
tops. We don't have to talk about. There's that movie Too Late Blues, the Cassavetes film, which was kind of one of his only movies he really made for a studio. That came out technically at the end of 61, but kind of in 62 as well. That reminds me a lot of The Hustler. Um, that obviously is about jazz musicians. But obviously I wouldn't say that it ripped off The Hustler because it couldn't have been made early right, enough. Right. But uh, kind of interesting. It's also in black and white. Has Bobby Darren randomly as the lead, which what a vanilla performance that was. Um, I would have loved to have seen Paul Newman in a Cassavetes movie. Yeah, that would have been, been interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, that movie's all right, whatever. But for Cassavetes, it's not as good. So I just figured I'd bring that up now because I was watching, we watched that last year at some point and it reminded me a lot of this movie while we were watching it but anyway buster already hustling already lying is that gardenia yeah. oh yeah it yeah. is yeah vincent gardenia <laughs> He's a, got the kind of face only a hot iron could love. You know? <laughs> Get them wrinkles out. Obviously, another big thing about this movie, it, it repopularized pool randomly. Um, uh-huh. isn't it funny how movies used to have the power to do something like that? Yeah. Like how they can repopularize a pastime. Now that's like now something that's like, so you know, like, uh, now like Jake Paul, he's like, right. Repopularized stupidity. You or know, even like, like how something like Bonnie and Clyde, like repopularized like bluegrass. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. uh, it's just, that's an era that just doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. Which I'm not even saying. Oh, I long for those days. It's just like it just does. It's just a fact. Like it's yeah. just not a thing. Um, but yeah. Hmm. What are we well, gonna do here? This one. Everybody's watching. Don't have anything else to do. Another great drunk Paul Newman performance yeah. in some parts too. Okay, That's the spin off Lucky Lush. Logan Lucky Lush. Yeah. all-time great like fake drunk Paul Newman performance in the sting when he's playing yeah. Robert Shaw oh on the yeah train the cards yeah
You know, it's interesting, these subtitles are really different than what the actual words yeah. are being said. They're like, yeah, much more said, let's leave when clipped. he said, let's get back on the road. Right. It's just a lot quicker. Which is weird, but. Gardenia falling into the trap. Yeah. Classic Gardenia. Uh, do you want some easy money, huh? Now, here's a hundred and five out. That's one week's commission. You want to take the whole thing? Give me your packages and your books. I'll take a piece of that action. Me too. Oh, no, I want him. I'll take another one, too. Mention the car. You might be waiting a while. You remember there's that Drake and Josh episode that's all about, like, Josh is really good at yeah. pool. Let's hustle. Like, <laughs> and it's so <laughs> dumb. Where does uh, Drake and Josh rank for you in the era of Prestige TV? <laughs> <laughs> that was my Prestige TV in that era, I'll yeah. tell you that. But I mean, the TV movie asked us... Very important question, or really? What a random important. title screen yeah. moment! <laughs> by the way, like, there's demand. I guess you'd say we want Wayne Newton, not you. Yeah, I always thought this is a really good opening credits because it's just so different. Like, there he is, Jackie Gleason as Minnesota Fats. What the great people of Minnesota think of hit the legacy of this character? I wonder. You know what struck me is when he's got the glasses on, especially that Scott's character almost looks like a beat. Like, yeah. But he's obviously too old for that yeah. by this point. But Maybe he's a beat at heart. Yeah. I guess I can't remember. This does mostly, you know, the early sections take place mostly in New York City. Well, it's kind of all over the place. I don't really remember exactly where it is, but yeah. um, it might not make a big deal about saying really either. I don't either. think so, but we'll see. I don't really remember. Now, Robert Rosen, he was a guy associated, I guess, with the blacklist and or yeah, because the, he it, Red like, Scare. This yeah, because it period, said he back. had like ratted a lot of people out and said he was a communist. Uh, I think and. Or something. I'm sure so people whatever. have done some kind of readings into, oh, is this movie a defense of what he did? Like, uh, in the same way people say about yeah. uh, On the Waterfront with uh, uh, Ilya Kazan. But. I mean, I don't know. I look at stuff like that and I'm like, it's just self-preservation. It's all that is. There's no, like, I'm not saying it's not interesting, but it's like there's nothing really to that to me. I don't know, but whatever. One thing that has endured to me over the years about this movie, especially the first sections, 
how big the pool halls look. Yeah. Um, what few little pool arenas I've seen around here in Western North Carolina have been, you know, very kind of small, yeah. low ceilings. This one just feels like it's like a free for all arcade, like, mm-hmm. you know, pool mecca almost, you know, of all these different people playing all these different games. And you have places like the, where you'd find places like that the most now are like Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. Even he's like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. There he is, the hustler. If you're the drinking type, which we're not, go ahead and take a shot every time they say the word hustler in this and see how. See if you make it by (laughs) the end. I actually was drinking a little cup of Coke here. I already finished it, so sorry. Can't can't play the game. No laser tag. <laughs> no, no soft play. Like we don't have any of that here. Like no NASCAR simulators. Yeah, <laughs> crotch rockets. <Yeah. laughs> no putt putt. Yeah, I'm just now thinking of Bose Bodacious Family Entertainment. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Like, if you don't know what that is, you're probably okay. Yeah. No, R.I.P. Though to Hickory Dickory. Dog. Oh yeah. Where the mouse went up the clock. Where those reviews that you could find no. online were. <laughs> oh, I'm going to feel the... It's like, are you kidding me? Like, It's a friggin' pool table. Like, we'll talk about you know, this later in uh, Color of Money. It's like Martin Scorsese gives us a little... Oh, uh, at the beginning. Like, yeah. Narration, but introduction. The ball, does, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what all that was. But I remember watching that when I first saw it. I was like, what? Like, I remember specifically, I, wanna, I can talk about... Well... This would be probably more worthwhile to talk about in the color or the color money pod, but I'll say it now and I'll probably bring it up again. First time I saw that movie, I actually really wanted to watch um, what we do in the shadows, yeah. which was supposed to be at Redbox, but I went out to where the Redbox is in Wilmington. They didn't have it. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll watch the color money. So maybe I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about it already, but like uh, anyway, but. Uh, I finally have seen what we do in the shadows years later. And it was I've always good, heard so. the show's really good. I've yeah. not watched that yet. So what we do in the shadows and the color of money. The two films of all time. Like He's high on his own supply already, yeah. obviously. Hustling. Looks like that would be like Stanley Kubrick's older brother or something. From further away, he did not like right there. Hustle. See, nowadays it'd be like a, 
be like disc talking on social media between the yeah. uh, big pool players. Like, like that. you know the fat Minnesota Fats Facebook fan page, like yeah, be, you know all about the Minnesota. What was the name Fats of that life. movie? Is it Zola that we saw the trailer for? Or what's the name of that movie that we we went to go oh, see that promising young woman and there was a new poster twenty four movie. Was it Zola? Is what it's called? Or I'll look it up here in a second. Um, and it would be like the way people talked in that trailer would be like yeah. <laughs> version of that. There he is. Big man. Yeah, it is Zola. Zola, yeah. People, t- the way they talk in that. I'm not going to say any of it because it was a lot of cursing, but, you know. Like, so that film is based on the infamous 148-tweet Twitter thread. Uh, so there you go. So that's what we're making movies out of yeah. these days. I mean, not, that, not, you know? not that there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, well, that's where we're at. Bill Hicks wants Scream. That's where we're at. <laughs> Um, a lot of people were talking about, you know, another Paul Newman film, uh, before this Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, that they're saying, oh, nobody's been filmed like Jackie Gleason was in this since Big Daddy of Burl Ives or whatever. And I haven't seen that film, but I'm just like, Burl Ives as Big Daddy is just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Now, when I hear Big Daddy, I think about Vincent Price in, uh, Beach, uh, that beach movie. Uh, oh yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, beach party or beach bum. Or <laughs> <laughs> if he had any Diablo sandwiches. Yeah. Beach party. Yeah, was that the first one of those? Can you find a picture of him in that movie real quick? Y'all won't be able to see it, but... (laughs) Just, uh, if you're listening, look up Vincent Price as Big Daddy. It's just him in, like, a straw hat, like... Like, what? Somebody else. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Big John. Big Big Bad John. John. Imagine like an alternate version of this movie where it was like Robert Redford versus like Desi Arnaz. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like Havana, yeah. uh, Havana Joe or something yeah. like. <laughs> or like uh, Ramirez the Red or something yeah. like you know. <laughs> say you know later on Redford would be in Havana sausage. Imagine if you were in Bows or just some really random little local pool place. Yeah. You saw somebody carrying in a leather case, pulling out the pool sticks, like uh, twisting them yeah. in. You're like, okay, like. <laughs> and they're like, 
16 year old like D D looking kid yeah. you know like where's a where's a fedora and a trench coat you know that type of person like <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a well, we won't go into it but a story you said of mm-hmm. somebody you went to college with yeah i won't who, name any names who knows but, somebody who did yeah. such things similar but carried a briefcase yeah too that you can visualize the person in your mind. I mean, yeah. they're one of the people that went by their last name, like, yeah. and it was just like, yeah. Oh, he's up to now. I have no clue. General manager in a food line. <laughs> yeah, probably. No offense to any general managers of food No, no. Is. They're in a lot better place than that guy probably is. Like I said, this is such a different Jackie Gleason part yeah. than what we're used to seeing. The yeah, little sandwich. <laughs> now, what the hell was that? Actually, you can just hit the whole thing, but, you know, whatever. Oh, got to look at it. I mean, I know this is the era when the whole, everything was left, was so formal compared to now, but you imagine playing pool in like a big, like, suit, like that, one of them they're wearing, like how hot that would be too, like to do. Because this is a good temperature check for you. What what are you thinking right now? This movie's steaming hot the whole time. Yeah. Um, Even when it would be winter or a colder environment, you're playing pool in a suit and so and, and like all these people all those lights and the and cigarettes you're smoking yeah the whole time and you're playing for like 24 hours and you're like oh there's big money on the table too and so. you're as big as he is He just looks like a guy who'd be on a like a factory line, just like doesn't yeah. even care what he's doing. He's right. just, like just doing going through the motions. That's what I think's so interesting that this character <laughs> <laughs> This character, what I think is so great about the character is how um when you get so good at something like that, you almost don't even care about it anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just like what That's is the it level even? of mastery? Right. It's just like what it and he seems like a pretty just kinda sullen character who's kind of caught in the middle of all this other nonsense that's going on who's just like whatever about it you know but there's a couple shots later where they're gonna like you'll see the the cue ball like move back they they, like moved it you could tell like yeah it's like with a string or something um I'm always wondering too about all these people who are just sitting around. Waiting. It's like, don't you got a job to go to? Yeah. Like, don't you got anything else going on? Especially as long as these games go yeah. on. It's a similar thing in Cincinnati Kid. Uh, just people hanging around watching other people play pool or uh, cards. Yeah. It's just like, you know. Now, watching people play pool, I can understand watching people play cards for that long. Yeah. It's like, that'd be the most boring thing ever. Like,
Bengals blev på et chairs. Chess. Uh, this is in its own way a long term. This is a chess game, basically. Yeah. Right? in the corner. I wonder how many games they play. I don't remember if they say or not. Two in the corner. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, if this was an era when you, he would call somebody fat man, he'd just be like, yeah, I am a fat man. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't feel one bit bad about it. Yeah, it's called being a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> psycho, psycho killer. I mean, more if this is David Byrne's favorite movie. <laughs> Very unlikely, yeah. but who knows? He's a surprising guy. Like they're mostly playing pool for themselves. I wonder if they had any pool doubles and some shots. And I think they stuff. said, uh, so one of the things we were reading, they actually played most of these yeah. and were actually that it, good. I mean, most of them, you can tell they're Look in at that. The, yeah. <laughs> they're, Other than that. They're in the shot doing it yeah. anyways. You'd have to have so many. There probably were some, but... Yeah. Look at me. Oh, that's the preacher. Yeah. Oh, now the jackets come off. 
Meanwhile, we got our wannabe beat here. George C. Oh, that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. This is just him on recreational time. He's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, go. unwittingly, that man trained a dolphin to kill the president well, of the United that, States. That, yeah. Well, then a Mike Nichols movie. <laughs> yeah, that that's that what's more Day yeah. of the Dolphin or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which I've only heard great things about the new uh, Mark Harris biography of Mike Nichols. I mean, to read and watch more of. Now they're drinking and playing pool. It's like, can't we just get a real job, you know? Yeah. Any of these guys. What about money on that? Oh, oh, I'm big. Like. That's a real, like, that guy that's the bowler that's the a-hole. What's oh. his name? He's like, don't move in my approach. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> what was that guy's name? I can't remember. The guy's like, whoever you think you are, I am. Pete, Pete Weber. Weber, that's right. Yeah, that, Don't move in my approach. It's called sportsmanship, pal. <laughs> Speaking of all that, been wanting to get back into bowling, you know? Yeah. Fun. Again, Bo's Bodacious Family Entertainment. I'll be doing that this summer. Yeah, if you want to find us this summer, we might be hanging out at Bo's Bodacious Entertainment in Lenore somewhere. So, bowling. Is there many pool halls around here anymore? I know there used to be that one in Lenore, but I don't think it's there anymore. um, That was like next to the Sonic. Yeah. Y'all know. Y'all know where that is. (laughs) You probably don't even know what we're even talking about. There's some in Hickory, I think. Uh, side pocket lounge. <laughs> Wayno Silver Bullet. <laughs> R.I.P. Wayno.
I've never seen uh, George C. Scott's Patton, uh, as in yeah. past Patton. I need, I've always heard that's good. I've seen clips from it. Of course, the famous scene of him giving a speech in front of the American flag, you know, very famous. Yeah. Which Coppola did some rewrites on that movie and even won an mm-hmm. Oscar for the screenplay. Right for the Godfather movies. Twenty five hours. Obviously, uh, Tom Cruise acts a lot like this, you know, in the beginning of uh, Color of Money. Yeah, he's playing the. The role Cruz will mostly be yeah. playing in the second one, yeah. Vince. Which is like thug number one or mm-hmm. whatever it's called, like in yeah, he's uh, got that shirt in, in uh Batman yeah. the movie, yeah. And he's like, we really going to keep putting him through this crap? He's like, okay. That's a little vest. I just thought he... Kind of at certain moments, George C. Scott looks like Roy Scheider. Yeah, I kind of see that. this button on my shirt you know the fundamental questions one asks oneself when you've been playing pool for 25 hours What's funny about all this is he's like, 
oh, I'm so good, I'm the best, and like all this drama that's happening. And it's like no matter who wins in this situation, Minnesota Fats is gonna leave looking the best. You know, yeah. it's just like it doesn't matter like how good you are if you beat him. Like sure, it's sure. how you play the game. Like you know, I mean. You scumbag. <laughs> it's like you're scum and I feel some pity for you. This thing is interesting. We're 30 minutes in and the main female lead is yet to be introduced. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Okay. That guy, <laughs> like, <laughs> what's so funny? You can tell what he's thinking. Like. Everybody's just like, oh, we're done here. Until there's less people because they yeah. all left. Well, it like, showed earlier, yeah. even some of the games are less people. And... Yeah. Not playing a Monopoly game that long, you know? Like. playing mousetrap for three days like <laughs> Candyland on steroids have you ever played Candyland it's been a while yeah. I never have I don't think it's a fun enough little game it's purely basically luck I mean yeah. it has no skill component really whatsoever I'm sure oh no that's not true there's somebody out there thinking right now but. no because even Monopoly which is a is a game of chance that it, it still is really uh, you there's a lot of strategy involved yeah. you know which ultimately any game like that it does come down to chance but yeah you can be liberal or conservative with how much you spend or you know and different things like, yeah and trades you make and yeah the greatest the most like me watching like my version of watching something like this play would be you and Brian Malcolm playing Monopoly for hours that would be (laughs) fun you know our old friend Brian Malcolm which we played some lengthy games oh yeah always a lot of fun I always get annoyed when I play Monopoly with people because you end up playing with people oh this is going on too long I want it to end no no you gotta keep going yeah you wanna play with people who are just gonna actually finish the game and wanna play it like not some fair-weathered freaks that are, you know... Watch me. Yeah. We haven't played any of that in a while. I'm yeah. going to do that. I wonder how long it went on. Probably well, another... Well, not one fist has been raised yet how yeah. violent all this yeah. feels <laughs> like to the psyche. And yeah. The... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even say anything. <laughs> so I'm done. Save me for the end, like. And Scott, like, yep, I'm cool, like. 
some stanky Yeah, jazz. that's the way it goes, vibes, you know? Yeah. And so I, I know how tired he is, and he's playing the game. Imagine how tired everybody else would be sitting, sitting around and doing that all yeah. the time. Sleep for like a week after. We don't live. We don't live in the right time. You know, it's like where you could just go to places like that, and they were on the street. You know. Like, <laughs> Now, granted, everything else about that time period sucked, but, you know. <laughs> and I was talking about this with some of my students a while back. Yeah. It's like, as much as I love the past and love thinking about these time yeah. periods, like, everything you, everywhere you'd walk around back then would be dosed in cigarette smoke, like, all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? And You know what the big thing for me is? Well, I don't know. No Something air heat conditioning. Related, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or crappy air conditioning. Yeah. Summers wouldn't be quite as hot as now as an overall phenomenon yeah. now inside it would be harder mm -hmm. yeah also if i was gonna live anywhere back then i would try to live up north somewhere because in the south like yeah god it would it would be so hot like yeah with no air conditioning yeah. man it took a nap i guess and it helps i mean whatever Shoe shine, fifteen cent. Is this your lucky day? Oh, here goes our neighbor. There's another cycle. Piper Lure is still alive. I don't think so. No, so many of the Twin Peaks actors have now passed, and especially the older ones. No, she is still alive. Okay. She's 89, though. Okay. Noon himself passed away in like 2008 ish, I think. It's been in the late 2000s. Do what? Newman, I think he passed away in like 2008. Um, yeah, let me see. Yep, the day before your birthday. Yeah. September 
funny. She's got that same voice as in Twin Peaks, yeah. but just younger. Eight o'clock. Call me a healthy skeptic. I mean, the journey her character takes in that show is... Uh, yeah. Especially towards the end. Mm, to yeah. some places. It's not the sound of the bus, by the way. If you yeah. hear that, it's the motorcycle. I don't know if y'all can hear that or not. Yeah. You're better off if you can't. It's another thing about this movie that I always remember is the silences, like uh-huh. the tension that builds. Well, specifically in the pull scenes, but even in these non-pull scenes. Mm-hmm. Of that woman decided to sit there anyway, yeah. like, or multiple people, yeah. The odds of that happening, yeah. you know, it was meant to be. You know, we'll see about that. Well, I'd say it was, but doesn't mean it has to end well. I guess so. Yeah. There's old Jake. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, she didn't go anywhere else. Okay. Thank you. 
it's interesting to think about Lamada at this point in his life that this was in the the section of Raging Bull where he was doing his whole like stand up comedian stuff. And it's like that. Just imagine this guy like yeah. being like, "Oh, being the hustler." Like you know. he looks a lot like De Niro does in the yeah. later stages of the movie. you know at this stage of Lamada's life I can't help but think he would be you know thinking somewhere along these thoughts let me find him here in a second terrible we're in a terrible situation we're in a terrible situation (laughs) Robert De Niro by the way about something else entirely yeah. <laughs> that you can probably put two and two together on what that is. We'll just say it's about when Hickory Dickory Dock closed. I mean, like <laughs> when he got the news. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have a whole no more uh, bumper exhibition cars. at Tribeca yeah. Film Festival honoring the legacy of uh, Hickory, North Carolina's Hickory Dickory Dock location. I mean, you know. And even like a little, you know, exhibit of the sinkholes that would happen across right, the road yeah. in the parking lot. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. A lot of firsts went on in the Hickory Dickory Dock, you know, but that was the first place I ever played laser tag ever. Not that I ever do that that often. I had that really cool uh, Star Wars arcade game from the 90s. Yeah. The joystick where you were the pilot. And uh-huh. Ski ball. All the hits. All the classic oh. hits from classic artists, you know, kind of. Uh, oh, yeah, baby. Where's all the pool playing that? You said there's a Jake LaMotta picture in the yeah. background. Um, Wine and liquor. Colonnade. He got that that quick. <laughs> That's service right there. When people wanted their Thank liquor back the then, you needed to get it. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Parisian restaurant. This era of New York looks reminds me a lot of uh, the apartment. Yeah, and I almost keep a, in my head, subconsciously imagining them bumping into Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine from uh-huh. the apartment because it looks very similar. Who are like have the their own problems, but are way more clean cut yeah. and like you know, and they'd be like, "Man, what the hell's the matter with them?" Like you know, it's like you dig. I mean, now like as Fred know, McMurray, Jack Lemon of the Fortune Cookie era. Oh New York yeah, City. that's slightly different. And Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that line he says in that movie. Dare we say it over <laughs> these airwaves? I don't know. I mean, they said it in 1966, so, you know. Speaking of just great actors slash movie stars, I'm pretty sure Jack Lemmon was the 
best actor I've still yet to ever see that their talents in comedy and drama were as high in both categories yeah. as he is like you know yeah as the most 1961 looking man ever mm-hmm. a real buck and a half or seven a week kind of guy <laughs> in advance You know, we watched uh, uh, Wrong Move and Kings of the Road, both those Vin Vendors films, earlier this week. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about the road lifestyle, like yeah. this idea of, oh, he just kind of goes around. I'm just like, what kind of life is that to live? Or like in that case, too. Like Now with Kings of the Road, it made a little more sense that that character moved around for the job. Right. that he had but even like in wrong move for example like those people are just kind of going around for no reason you know like um, and this obviously moves around and plays pool but in that movie especially i'm just like why do y'all why are y'all doing this like i you know it just makes me nervous to not know to it would make me nervous to not know where i'm gonna be in any moment yeah there's a certain life. romanticism like, about yeah. for some people i think but yeah and obviously, that's something that does not happen often for most people, um, obviously. Right. And uh, it's kind of more romanticized, like I said, to the point where it seems more normal than it actually is. Um, but, And that's something that happened, I feel like, more years ago, like during yeah. this time period. Or, in the case of those in other countries, that would happen more. But here, now, it's kind of like, like in Europe. Uh, but now... I don't know. That just seems not impossible. People would, people still do it, but you know, yeah. Everybody's a little more grounded now. Like there was the that guy. guy Dependence on credit scores will do that too. Yeah. Well, it was like there was that guy on Jeopardy. I don't know if you saw this or not the other night. I think you weren't in the room. Daddy and I were watching it, and uh, and there was this uh, guy on there who was like saying he lived in, like, Toronto or something, somewhere in Canada, and that he traveled down to, like, San Francisco and hitchhiked, and that he, like, slept in the park there for, like, a month and just kind of shrugged and was like, then I went back or whatever, and it's just like, wow. what kind of... Per- I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying that to, like, pass judgment necessarily. But like, what kind of person could do all that, you know? Yeah. I'm just like, I don't understand that, but whatever. Yeah. And just like, yeah, it was whatever, you know. He did not win that Jeopardy game. Which is not at all a comment on his intelligence level. But, I mean, he obviously made it there, so, you know. Anyway. That's like that's something I think about a random amount is, like, people that travel around like that. Yeah. There's a certain part of that that I, that I don't know if it's a fantasy, but it's like, an escapism that I, yeah. I admire and would like yeah. to practice in that more, but then most of my most of me is like, nah, I wouldn't want to do that. But it's like now the I classic like travel, going on a vacation but, yeah. or a traveling thing. It's like you love it for a while, but yeah. after a certain, I mean, point, it's you like I went home. down to Wilmington a couple of weeks ago. Well, during my spring break, uh, and I was there for like two days, and. You know, love being there, love the people I was around, my friends down there. But I was already like, yeah, I want to leave. I want to be back home now. Like, and that's a and that's a area of the world I know very well now. And I, yeah. and even still, I'm like, yeah, I don't like I don't like this. I want to go home. Like, you know. Yeah. For some, home is merely a state of mind. Okay. 
and then you're living in rooms like what he just bought yeah. for a dollar fifty a night, you know. All right. Children shouting. Always what you want to wake up to. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly, but I think that I've only seen this movie twice. And I think the second time that I watched it, the first time I rewatched it, it was like, um, I think it was on Netflix again on instant. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's how I watched it. And that was in like 2015, I remember specifically. So it's been a pretty long time now. But I would have seen it in like, 2011, 2012, or something like that for the first time. I don't remember exactly when it was. It was in a summer. So you lie all the time? What? <laughs> So let's be troubled together. That's the most Paul Newman line reading ever. Yeah. Like, Bring him over later. <laughs> Bring him over. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It speaks for itself. It's a good point you bring up. Maybe he needs to go back to school. Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. See him being like a PE coach. PE teacher. Really is interesting to think about this in cinema scope, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, like I was kind of saying off air earlier, you know, it's interesting this is shot in black and white. Um, but the, then, oh, we'll shoot in cinema scope, though. Yeah. It's like a very strange. Yeah, I mean, one of the like, big appeals of cinema scope at this time, especially with cut in color in general, was like, oh, we're going to give you something you can't get on TV. Right. So, again, I really like that this movie kind of similar to The Master in that it uses yeah. this wider format for pretty, for ultimately, what's a small character study kind of movie. There's like one or two like really kind of big scenes that are outdoors one really that i can remember that's like later that is like this scene is outside like because i mean obviously we saw earlier them walking outside but like there's a scene that happens where it's really like this but yeah is outdoors, most of this movie but, is yeah. uh, interiors right uh, 
When she's sober, she... I don't know. She does drink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when she drinks alone, she prefers to be by herself. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not, but... He can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> I tell you, you don't, you won't get like uh, middle-aged Southern white men fired up. You bring up Cool Hand Luke, and it's like it's like, he, it's like oh my god, the greatest movie ever. What we have great, here so. is a failure to communicate. <laughs> like. Machine gun. Yeah. Ho ho ho. Like, yeah. Ho ho ho. I mean, is Hans Gruber droopy? That's the question we need to answer. Like. <laughs> Did you notice in that last shot, it was like them moving closer, like yeah. they were going to kiss, and then it cut, and it was like they're farther away yeah. a little bit, and then uh -huh. they come back together, yeah. That means I'm smart because I saw that. Is this movie canceled as a result? Yeah. I want to do the Cinema Sins version of this. Like, <laughs> by the way, if anybody's ever come to this podcast, won't Matt leave immediately and don't come Sorry. back? Sorry, uh, we don't care if we're losing you. So, <laughs> I'm not gonna be. I, I'm dead serious. I don't care about you. So, <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, you know. Sounds bad, but, uh, well, it's because uh, it is. is so. it, yeah, yeah, who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> so, do you want me to leave my own apartment? I'd forgotten he's in this movie even this much because yeah. he's kind of not in it for the last most of it. Come on, we were friends. As Abe the Goat has said in The Godfather, the game. <laughs> so is he a Raiders fan? Like A Raiders should be said the Oakland Raiders were only in existence for a year by this point the movie was even released. Mm -hmm. so.
All this makes me just wonder where Paul Newman's actually from. So he's from Shaker Heights, Ohio. Hustler. Yep, take another swig. That Newman plays almost this role in Color of Money and right. cruises the younger role. We don't really yeah, know he's his not guy's exactly, background at all. Because he he's not exactly the George C. Scott role in that movie either because he's a lot more benevolent. Even when he turns evil at the end of the movie, he's still more benevolent than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? I mean, it was a different time back then. Yeah. Uh-oh, how much? My 25%. Approximately 80s girl. That'd be kind of sad but funny at the same time. In the, uh, at the end yeah. of the credits, it's like, Eddie's girl. Piper Lord. 
No, actually, it's just like one or two people. Yeah. Like everybody. Yeah. <laughs> The milkmaid in Walla Walla, Washington wants a piece of me. Yeah. true stank drunk energy here like <laughs> Most kinds are. Yeah. Now, see, Levi, you're a writer. Like, do you just commune with the characters and they just tell you the brilliance in their own heads that you then translate? Or no. You actually just make it no, up. No, you actually have to make it all up. <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that question because uh, I want to, uh, as uh, uh, Ray Winstone once said in uh, The Departed, I want to make a ruling on this right now. <laughs> he said another word I'm not going to say. But um, that's something that people like to say. These writers are like, it's just like, it just comes from somewhere. I don't know where it comes from. Lies. I mean, like, whatever. Maybe that happens with people. But, well, first of all, the biggest problem with something like that is that they act like they're divine. They're inspired by some divine spirit. Or they themselves yeah. are divine. It's like, no, you're a writer. Like, um, Because, you know... But the big thing I'm writing now, like, it's the most I've put into, like, really thinking about, okay, like, I'm really going to sit down and figure this whole plot out. Yeah. And it took a long time to be like, okay, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? Now, yeah, some things come th to you through instinct, but that's just you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like, oh, it comes from somewhere. It's like, no, it doesn't come from, it's not from the beyond. It comes from your own brain. Like, I know they like to, they don't really believe, okay. Whoa. Um, they don't really believe those things, but they say them. So, like, you know, uh, that's just really annoying. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that'd be a good working title. You pull room bum. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But no, I actually have to make it up. It's like there's that scene in Barton Fink where uh, John Mahoney's playing that, like, William Faulkner type. Yeah. And he's, t and, uh, and Turturro's like, oh, uh, he's like, he's, and Mahoney says something like, 
don't you always find writing to be so much fun or something? He's like, Totoro's like, no, I've always found it to come from a very great pain or whatever. And he's like, huh, I always just like making things up. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I'm obviously like when I write half the, well, maybe not even half the time, but a lot of time I'm just like, I don't know. I don't really want to do this right now. But it's like, but it's not like a, a cross that I have to bear. You know, it's like. Uh, there's actual life that goes on that is more important than my writing, okay? Like, <laughs> believe me, there's a million and one writers in this world. We don't need another one, okay? Like, you know, so, um, no, that's nonsense. This is the same way there are a million and one podcasts in the world. We yeah. Don't know it, yet, here we are. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. That just doesn't mean I have to have this uh, savior complex right. that writers have. And believe me, they do. And if you're listening to this and you're aggravated, then maybe that's saying something about you. I don't know. You know? From a writer to another, screw you. <laughs> just kidding. But, I mean, yeah, just, I don't know. Just, I find all that very ridiculous. So, um, you know. Anyway. Glad you asked me that. Because I wanted to get that on the record. that you gotta write every day you have to do this every day it's like not if I don't want to maybe I do it when I want to do it like you know like yeah if you want to be Stephen King and make a bunch of money and write 50 books maybe but uh, you know I got other things I want to do too so anyway Hustle. Character or money? Told you I got a problem. 
I wish somebody talked to me like this some days. Yeah. You're a born loser. Yeah. And just, I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, you know. Seventy-five percent. Yeah. Think about that. By the way, we were watching some uh, Shark Tank the other night, which yeah. is something that uh, I know you kind of haven't been here the last few Friday nights. You've been doing football. We've kind of been watching that off and on as a family here yeah. and there, and just like, just wow, what a just craven, disgusting display of the show. Kind of love watching it though. You know, it's fun. But uh, that guy that was on there that was like about those water bottles that yeah. were like going to save the world or whatever, and he was wanting to give them like 1% for a $500,000 stake. And they were all like, what? Like, yeah. you're insane. And then like, he kept getting offers of like, okay, we'll go for it for like 4%, which is like, you know, really low. And he was still, and he was still like, it. I don't know, I like some advisory shares in that. It's like, well, are you insane? Like, yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah, see. Adopt a highway. Adopt a palm moving. What was it? Something bum they called him earlier? Pool or room, a pool room bum. Pool room bum auction. Yeah. Adopt a pool room bum. There's that guy from the sting. Yeah. Who out hustles the hustler? Who watches the watchman? Right. Like. 
say how much more clean cut that guy looks in the sting just because it's in the 30s and uh, everybody's wearing suits and then this is like some total bum yeah. like you know. <laughs> Addictive little bone. Is that Andy Griffith's brother or something? Mm -hmm. Looks kind of like Ned Beatty, too. Yeah. You ever go down to Sharky's pool room and see any of this go down? Like, it's been a while. We used to. Uh, me, Devin, Philip, and Ian, my college buddies, and we used to play pool there at Sharky's right before we go to the movies on yeah. on Friday or Saturday nights. Gentlemen, hard be gentlemen. He's just like, well, uh, this stinking city, you know. Huh? What's she been up to?
This is one of those, you know, as Vince McMahon once put it, kind of life sucks and then you die kind of movies, you know? <laughs> Vince McMahon obviously has a huge winner takes all mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would suck to have, you know, both your basically arms or fingers like that mm-hmm. broken. Wouldn't <laughs> be like that. Just like, well. By the way, I mentioned it earlier. We wouldn't see it. Since we uh, saw a new movie in a theater, actually, do you have any thoughts you want to voice on Promising Young Woman at all? Well, it's got a lot of Oscar nominations right now. Uh Um, Most notably, I think, for Carrie Mulligan. Uh Um, It's a movie that was fine enough. I think we kind of agreed that it was rather toothless and not nearly as ruthless as it Uh acted like it wanted to be. Right. Uh, especially led you to believe early on. Yeah. Um, it was fine enough, and it was good to see just something new in a theater, yeah. if nothing else, but uh, also it left some things to be desired. I know you had made some comparisons that seemed like between that and De Palma, mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, know, work. Uh, what, but not even as, well, not even as, uh, as accomplished as that can sure. be. Um, and I'm, and I'm no De Palma fan, um, even though I've seen more of his movies I've liked now than I used to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's actually, you know, it's funny. I know it's been a really controversial movie. Yeah. Um, And we won't wade into all that, just because, frankly, I'm not interested to. And second, it's actually a pretty forgettable movie um, yeah. already. Um, Yeah, I just think it actually didn't go far enough, uh, which seems like a lot of people have been kind of saying that. Um, And the third act's pretty strange. Um, Not exactly in a gr- great way either. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of not, nothing yeah. movie, honestly. I, but uh, I just figured since sure, it's yeah. a new movie, we, you know, to yeah, talk we about. Yeah, we were the so, only uh, people in the theater, too. I think that's the only time it. that's ever happened to me. So I know you've seen that's happened that's, to you a couple yeah. times. But the one scene that's definitively outdoors is what I was talking about here. Anyway. Um, well, yeah, it was it was okay, fine enough. Like I said, I was yeah. just glad to be seeing something in the theater. Yeah, no, it was nice to do. Good popcorn. <laughs> Can't beat it. By the way, if you're one of those folks out there who's like, microwave popcorn's better than theater popcorn. I know. Kyle was just shaking his head a bit. Like, um, yeah, no. And you probably have some weird agenda by uh, saying that. Yeah, I don't understand it. If you want to go all in on that agenda and explain it to us, email us at huffmanbrothersproductions at gmail.com. Once again, huffmanbrothersproductions at gmail.com. Yeah, we've yet to get any fan emails. Yep. So we send one. really want one, you know. If you're a freak out there who's like, oh, I love uh, 
Microwave popcorn better than, uh, you know, movie theater popcorn. Send us Go ahead and wine. be wrong and send us yeah. wine. Because <laughs> the ranking is movie theater popcorn. Then it's like uh, like Carnival yeah. or like Ace Hardware <laughs> popcorn. You remember they used to have a well, popcorn? They used to have in uh, a yeah, Harley but, shop in Hickory, right. too. Had a little you get machine. popcorn, like stuff like that. And then it's microwave, like. She's like, I just want to drink and read. I'm like, yeah. all you're doing is complaining about, oh, this and that. Just call me a healthy skeptic. Everybody talks about the I love you, I know scene. Like, that's uh-huh. a really is a really great exchange of dialogue yeah. there. Better than that. Yeah, you know, I know it's hard for some of y'all to believe there's movies other than Star Wars movies, but <laughs> But I used to be one of and them again, too. This is I can talk you through this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it's not very difficult. We've been there before. We know yeah. how to help you. Yeah. We were actually just joking yesterday. It's like uh, we have no intention, really, whatsoever, of doing a Star Wars movie on here. But uh-huh. we were like, oh, what if we just did like Return of the Jedi, and then no other yeah. ones, you know, just or like Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Rogue One. As he, as George C. Scott said earlier, nah. Turk Baker. 
Oh, you said Turk Bacon. No, yeah. Like Turkey Bacon, but... Turkey like, Bacon. Like his yeah. full name is Turkey Bacon, but he goes by Turk Bacon. I think now is the time to unveil our Jimmy Dean, James Dean. You think it's time? <laughs> we mean to do that. Yeah, I guess in what context are we uh, going to say this? Well, oh, Turk Bacon, okay. Turkey Bacon. So, uh, so, do you want to explain? No, you go ahead. Okay, well... Many of you may know the song Rock On, whatever the name of that song is. I don't remember. Look it up. It was actually in the soundtrack of uh, uh, Three From, or not Three From Hell, uh, Devil's Rejects, if you can find it that way. I mean, we've really devolved the conversation here, haven't we? Um, What's the name of that? Dave Essex, Rock On. Yeah, it's just called Rock On by Dave Essex, yeah. Um, There's a moment in that song where it's like, it says, Jimmy Dean. James Dean. Yeah. So, so in our little section of insanity yeah. that is our world over here, um, we like to like if it's somebody has a shorter name like Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart. Yeah, and any it, name. Yeah, though, any like, name. It could be anything. Like, like you know, Ray John, Liotta, Raymond Liotta. Yeah, like, I mean. So anyway, that's that. Because like, you've Tur- probably because I think we've done that a couple times on here, and people have probably been like, like "What? Turk Bacon? Turkey Turkey bacon. bacon? Yeah." Anyway, there it is. It's all out there. Like, like Paul Newman, Paul Asandro. Pauline Newman. Newman. <laughs> like, <laughs> Paul <laughs> Like, um, Piper oh, Laurie, Popette This Laurie. is another, uh, this is a new concept we personally came into contact with after oh, yeah, watching Promising it? Young Woman. Yeah. Um, we often refer to movies that usually have, you know, a a conventional movie that has a usually a conventional or at the very least bittersweet ending uh the section of the movie maybe two-thirds of the way through or halfway through yeah. where things are looking kind of down or like we're going to maybe be entering the climax soon uh, the end of the second act usually it's like oh the downtime. yeah before this inevitably is, the uptime I think comes around the easiest like, place to spot stuff like this is in a pixar movie yeah. and that's not anything against pixar movies but like those are really well-made movies, but are always have something like that in them, like in a Toy Story movie when it's like, come on, toys, let's go. Woody doesn't want to play yeah. anymore kind of thing. And it's like, and they have the Randy Newman music that's real sad and like, you know. But then, oh, but we all know eventually yeah, it's going right. to go up. So, and so that's the downtime. Anyway, that's very So good, we yeah. came up with the concept of the uptime, which is like in a when things like are looking great they, yeah. at a time when you know it's... Uh, Right. It's all going to end in disaster. Yeah. And prompted by Promising Young Woman, which had, spoiler alert, an uptime uh, to it. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of the sort, kind of sort of the uptime of this movie. Where it's like, yeah. oh, they're getting to know each other. They might love each other. Oh, things are going to go great. Uh, spoiler alert, no. Well, at the, and at this time, people would have, wouldn't have thought that there it would be said uptime because they would have assumed, oh, yeah, everything's going to turn out all right for them, you know, but nope. Sorry. No, I don't. So they're going to Louisville, Kentucky during the Kentucky Derby to get some money. She's going to play all MH. <laughs> Not Murray Hamilton, Mur Raymond Herrett. Uh, Hamilton. <laughs> uh, the Kentucky Derby is usually around this time of year, isn't it? Uh, uh, it'll be in May, I think. Yeah, it's like April or May, I figured. Uh, in May 1st. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's usually, whenever I would move home from college, it was always like that weekend. Just a, a, almost always first Saturday in May. Yeah. 
I'm sure there were some horse racing fans. Are you kidding me? You don't know that. Blah, 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 blah. You know, but sorry, we're not big. Which uh, horse, horse racing race fans? Heads. Welcome to the podcast. Stay. Yeah. Not gonna say anything bad about Stay you, but for a while. you know, if that's what you are into, I guess. Uh, whatever. I, I mean, guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you said that. Like, yeah. I guess if you're a piece like, of trash, you might as well stick Well, no, nah, I didn't mean it. Well, whatever. I don't know. That's the way you want to take I it. Have, I, mean, I have absolutely zero of beef with horse racing. Believe me, I would like them a lot more than a lot of other people in the world. So, I've always found it so weird, like, dog racing. Is yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. They're always like them greyhound-looking, uh, you know, dogs. Uh-huh. Wasn't there that sequence in... Stranger Than Paradise, where they went and bet on dog racing, yeah. but it never yeah. showed the sequence, yeah. but it was like happened in the movie, yeah. supposedly. Television. Because I'm going to say, please. I'm play a guy named Finley. Arnie Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> See, I think you're starting to yeah. get it. You know, it's like... Yeah. I can't remember if there's any literal or figurative uh, off-roads in this movie. I mean, I think the entire climax is a massive off-road yeah. as far as, like, I'm not going to be what you want me to be, yeah. like, you know. And his his decision to actually go back into doing pool at the end yeah, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the Color Money is an off-road, but... We brought that up, what, in the Syriana episode? I, I think, think that's yeah. the best movie to talk, yeah. to bring that up in. Go back and listen to that one if yeah. you have no clue what we're talking about. Somewhat, we should at some point we should probably have a big list somewhere of our concepts for the yeah. pod for the or, podcast. Like our you know? glossary, yeah. <laughs> A car crash? A car crash killed Lily and James Potter? I had to say something. <laughs> Went for cigarettes and never came home. Yeah. All the film bros out there uh, are probably like, "Where's Minnesota Foots at? Like, yeah. when's he gonna come back?" Like, sorry, he's at a buffet somewhere. No, I was gonna say Gold Corral somewhere. <laughs> yeah. is what I was thinking. Loading up for the next for the next bout. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he's got to be so big is that he's in these twenty four hour pool games where he can't eat. He's got to store right. up for like you know. He goes and hibernates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has a hot dog. He forgets it's there type yeah. of thing, you know. <laughs> Wish dog. 
the wish dog concept. No, we don't have one for that, but we'll probably make one up. I mean. Mitch McConnell there somewhere. Where's they gonna take the hamburgers away? Like, <laughs> how many hamburgers you can eat? <laughs> Finley. This idiot. ain't the Finley from WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. My name is Finley, and I love to fight <laughs> and hornswoggle. Yeah. We're just gonna we're gonna stop right there and move on. Real heads know. Don't worry, I'll destroy your life enough anyway. Like, yeah. God, it'd be so annoying to travel with that character. The George C. Scott character, yeah. like, oh my God. The tremendous trio. Yeah. Yeah, you know at the Kentucky Derby they have all those big hats. Yeah, it's like what? Is, who are you, Camilla? Like of the royal family? What are you doing? You know, like I don't understand it. Like it's just a vibe you don't get. I, I know. You know, maybe you should be there waiting for like a vibe checker. You know, check their vibes. Oh, let me be a, a scumbag. <laughs> like, <laughs> billiard room. What do they do there? I, uh, again, this is only the second time I've seen this. I forgot all the kind of the jazz soundtrack to this. Yeah. Which is obviously. So there's another thing time. that reminds me of Too Late Blues, but. 
West Stone Kid, Johnny Jumbo, Jonathan Jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Yo Jimbo. Oh, they get to hang out. Now Jonathan Depp, that just is his name. Mm-hmm. There's no Johnny. I, I've never. I don't think I've ever heard him Depp. called Johnny. This is Jonathan Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Where are the you know, Godard says that we need to just do away with language. We just don't, we need less talking. And words like, say we just need to do away with the cadards. Yeah. Mean. Words are dead. Yeah. Godard. Godard is dead words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've already touched on Godard a little bit. I yeah. mean, uh I respect him if nothing else. You know, there's a few yeah. of his movies uh uh like Breathless is of course yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. High regard, contempt. I like. I know you love that yeah, a lot. I love contempt. Um, um, yeah. I know. Probably the most I've ever loved a film by a filmmaker. I'm not that big of a fan of. I'd, I'd say probably. You know, going into Pierre Lefou, my expectations were very, very low, uh, based yeah. on what you had kind oh, of yeah. got me to predict about. But I actually liked it fine enough. I mean, I didn't love it definitely. Weekend's a movie that kind of sort of infuriates me, yeah. but I also kind of respect it in another way, too. So. Yeah. Which I feel like is pure Godard to me. Is like, yep. I kind of hate this, but yep. kind of like what you're almost trying to say. Uh, Sympathy for the Devil, that kind of Rolling Stones movie he did. I, I, I like that fine enough. You know? yeah, I mean, there's a lot of his movies I still want to see that I need to see. but I mean, Ziga Vertov himself. Who? Ziga Vertov was actually that Soviet filmmaker. There was a whole period oh. in the 70s, basically in the late 60s, early 70s, or through the 70s, it was like the Ziga Vertov period where him and a collection of filmmakers basically took that name or that moniker and uh, oh, that's they, right. they just yeah. made a bunch of kind of very radical, revolutionary kind of yeah. movies. And I think that was the, most of his 70s, and then he came out of that in the 80s as Godard again, I don't know. That was like his form, artist formerly known as Prince, period, basically. Yeah. So it should be said, this is our second Murray Hamilton movie after yep. seconds. We just also saw him in, uh, we've started watching through uh, Twilight Zone again. We're going to try to get through all of it this time. Yeah. At least for me, I've started it a bunch of times, but he's in an episode of that as death. <laughs> so...
Yeah, I will slit your throat. Is what you could tell he was like, oh. "That you do, Mister Delson." Do you taste like an orange? Mr. Felson, what are you, Mr. Pepsid? Like, <laughs> Mr. Pepto Bismol. As Neil Young once sang, Southern man. <laughs> As Neil Young once said, rock and roll's here to stay. Did he say that? Oh, is that? Oh, my, my, hey, hey. Oh, that's, oh, and who rock. is that? Oh, yeah, no, that is him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was in that song. Yeah. Right, okay. I was just say everybody said rock and roll's here to stay, but. But he did that one time, so. Yeah, so he said it. Yeah. Was she drinking again or something? It's a it's a common habit of hers. I have a question for people who like to drink. Uh, why? No, we won't get into all that. <laughs> what? Uh, why? Some of that stanky southern jazz. Mm -hmm. Southern jazz. <laughs> well, this looks like some of the party scenes early on in a uh, Hard Day's Night, which we rewatched. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the camera works a lot different. But that era of party cutting loose, like vibes, you know. <laughs> I'm watching you like Okay. You know, a lot of people ask about what is it that, um, you know, Scott Johansson whispered to Bill Murray at the end of Boston Translation. Translation, which I haven't seen, but I know people talk about that. So I'm more of like, what did he say to her? Like, mm -hmm. uh, is something 
far scarier, I yeah. think. Uh, which I don't even think that whatever that would be would be scary necessarily, no. but uh, this definitively would have had to have been. Yeah. Um, It's always been my theory that it was you know, something about I will one day be in Rock the Casbah. I mean, you know. Oh, you're talking about Lost in Translation? Yeah. yeah. But again, everybody's got their own ideas about it. So. I thought she whispered something to him, though, right? She wasn't in that. Or was no, it he whispered she, something to her? Yeah, yeah, he did to her. I oh, think. okay. I, see, I don't know. <laughs> I've only seen that movie once. You're probably been screaming a while, that at and, me, uh, but whatever. I, I liked it. Uh, I would need to watch more Sophia Coppola. By the way, uh, Virgin you know, Suicide is one of those movies that just uh, forever haunts you. Basically, yeah, in terms no, of I really, I really quite like that a lot. So I, I'd like to see more of her stuff. But and then we've seen The Beguiled. Um, yeah, that was good. But By the way, I know it's a thing for a lot of people sometimes. They're like, you haven't seen this big movie or whatever? And I'm like, no, because I've been watching The Hustler over and over. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, you can't get to it. I mean, I'm going to get to it eventually. Like, you know, like, whatever. Like, no, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen A Few Good Men. I haven't seen The West Side Story. I, ha I mean, you know, uh, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do? Watch them? Like, I mean... <laughs> But I have seen it, Midnight I'll Take Your Soul. I mean, like, you know, have you seen that? Like, <laughs> you're better off probably if you haven't, but. We've only cut to that, and it's his exact. Yeah, it's like his face. face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. It's like, yeah, this is a pose. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Wish you could it's see like my, you him. It's like him as Philip Bryant's current Twitter profile picture like of him holding that little Oscar. You know? Oh, right, yeah. The little baseball trophy or, or whatever it is. whatever the hell. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember. Yeah, that's what it is. But it's like an Oscar. It's like a, just a little dumb little yeah. awarding by like for two bucks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. They probably had a child make it as a during crafts yeah. or something. Yeah. 
that scene in Sideways where he steals from his own mother's uh, drawer that yeah. money that's in there. Like, what a yeah. scumbag. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Paul Giamatti in that movie. Like, wow. Him just digging around like that made me think of, you know, the the famed uh, song Smoking in the Boys Room. Oh, wow. Like, that song. You know, did that you know that, that smoking ain't allowed in school? Not vaping either. No. Yeah. But instead of that, it's... Uh, Digging through the sock drawer, you know. Just like, <laughs> Gonna rip off my mama. Because <laughs> I'm a dirty scumbag or whatever. I lost the plot yeah. there. <laughs> you, you get the idea. Well, Murray, he's enjoying it. These Southerners are. Would you like to play chess? Like, no. I'm not going to degrade myself to that level. If you think about how utterly useless in this whole world the uh, George C. Scott types are. Oh, yeah. Really just like well, they just have the they money. Just have the money. That's all yeah. it is. They're not... And kind of sort of a coach and or a manager of the person, but, you know, it's just mooching off of him. Yeah. So that means, doing the math, Newman will keep 4,000. 75%. Other guy keeps. <laughs> Total scumbag. <laughs> See, this whole movie—it's not about. Wait, did I say four thousand? Yeah, three thousand. Yeah. You weren't gonna correct me. I don't give a crap about math. <laughs> Sorry for those math heads out there. Those mathletes. <laughs> the mathly yeah. is a concept <laughs> um yeah you know it's not about playing minnesota fats it's about the journey to play minnesota fats <laughs> it's about the scumbags we made along the way yeah. <laughs> it's about the suicides we prompt along the way whoops 
Which I can't remember. Was it? Uh, we'll see in here in a second, I guess. But I can't remember if it's intentional or if it's accidental. No, it is intentional. Okay, okay I couldn't remember. Oh, you hard, huh? Walking around the, the like that, yeah. A little worthless human being, you know? <laughs> like. It's kind of a. I mean, well, I like the fact that in The Color of Money, everybody is dead other than, like, Newman, yeah. right? Like, all those people would have just died at some point, you know, over the years. But, like, it's really a shame he doesn't come back in and be like, I'm evil still, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> when did he die? George C. Scott. Yeah. I'm not Let's sure. See. 90s, maybe, sometime? 99. Right under the wire. Oh, I forgot. He was in Anatomy of a Murder. Yeah. That's right. So that would have been like his probably biggest movie before this, obviously. Uh, <laughs> no thank you like anyways whatever that was all about that's some weird male uh, impulse when you're a scumbag like that to be like I don't like you we'll forcibly kiss you yeah. like what other than the other than the everything that's awful about that like why <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I don't know because he's a bad person, yeah. so you know. I mean, meanwhile, somebody's taking a free ride outside. He doesn't smash. Uh, he doesn't uh, pass the smell test, you know. Yeah. Smash the pale test. He's not eligible for the pale grant. <laughs> he's not a Rhodes Scholar. NC yeah. scholar, like he's not making the Caldwell County honor roll. I know that perverted, twisted. 
cripple. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Emphasis on the cripple. You know, it's interesting that uh, Psycho was one of the very first moves, you know, to really show a bathroom. Yeah. You know, even a year later already, like, yeah. where, you know, dark things are still happening in bathrooms. I guess Hollywood figured that was the only thing that happened in there. I don't know. Was yeah. All these bad things. Uh. You don't see a lot of scenes in this movie where George C. Scott's powerless or yeah. at, at a loss in some way, and this is one of the few that he's, yeah. even he's at a miss loss for this. Here he is back. Like, the MF himself, Minnesota fans. Yeah. <laughs> The way this scene is kind of set up and shot, it looks almost like a saloon that all the bad guys are yeah. hanging out, and he comes in. Right, and like it's kind of like, western, yeah. yeah. That's fair. It's a good observation. It's even got like the bars looking yeah. like you know, so. or like a bank is going to be holding yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like such a it's such a Leone moment where he like senses him almost, and it's like pre Leone, but you know. Like going for the throat. Yeah. 
Will he or won't he? That's the question. You know what I like about this movie, the structure of it, like you said, that like we were saying earlier, that it puts the the longer game at the beginning, and that what I like about it is that you don't feel any triumph, you don't feel any like triumphant feelings by the end of this movie. Yeah. It's like everything's been taken out of you, but as an audience too, like it, it you know, uh, of everything that's happened, and you don't feel like oh, this is cool anymore it's just very like and to that it extent is is, you know like, minnesota fats is less of a character than a an antagonist more so right. but it does make you wonder how many experiences has he went through to make him the person yeah, that he is right. that makes it where it, the game plays like this for him all the time yeah it's a purely unemotional right. thing by this point you know And that it's not—it's almost not even about anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost not even about pride either. It's just like this is just what we do. Over like, the motion, yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't know what's between y'all, but <laughs> yeah. Ski ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I see a version of this movie, but ski ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> that's stupid. Like. <laughs> Was that a freeze frame? Might have been on. Freeze frame fade. Van Helsing walks out with like a steak. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's still hanging out in the same place. I love to, you know. 
Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. You heard that wow. in my stomach. <laughs> That's the moment when he got character. Once again, MF is just like, oh, mm -hmm. I don't care about any of this. Like, His stomach's ground waiting for that golden corral. Mm. He's like, I want some of those ribs they've got today. I don't really care about all this. But. <laughs> He's going to go hang out with Big Daddy. <laughs> when you've got to get that last word in. Yep. Coming up here. What about Johnny Jumbo? Jonathan Jumbo? <laughs> or as you called him, Jonathan Yo Jumbo? <laughs> Real, and that's that ending, you know? Yeah. And business as usual. Yeah, I think that's, to me, one of the most brilliant things about this movie is just how straightforward everything is. Yeah. It's just very, 
it feels like a great like in a good way like a good like old paperback book you'd find in yeah. a, some old bookstore and it's like kind of worn looking but it's just so yeah. direct so crisp like uh, in everything it does yeah. you know so concise freeze frame <laughs> the end you know I think it's interesting that it ends almost with ends with him sitting there almost like he's sitting on a throne like uh, George C. Scott and yeah. he's like the king of this whole world you know what I mean the, yeah uh, and, that, and that's kind of like I said to kind of preface next week and we'll see if I how I feel about it um, but you know that's kind of what I have problems with Color Money is that so he's never gonna play again, and you know, then it's obviously he moves pretty far west, I think, and also twenty five uh, years. That's passes what I'm saying. Too, like he's I mean. probably dead, and a lot of those people are probably dead. But like, you know, um, it's just kind of I don't know. I, I and also I just kind of think that him giving it back up and think and thinking, oh, you know, and I didn't really care about her, I guess, because I'm gonna start doing it again, you know, but. I think it's actually kind of realistic in another well, way. Well, I think that, that movie, you know, <laughs> which we'll walk through next week, is really yeah. has some also fundamentally different themes about right. it in terms of it's about no, mentorship. It's, it's not really about the same thing anymore. What happens anymore. when yeah. uh, the disciple or, or mentee of someone inspires the mentor yeah. to actually regenerate themselves in some way? So yeah. it's 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 set in the same world and right. about the quote, no, but, same character. Yeah. But honestly, is about some fundamentally yeah, different because things it's not actually is. as much of a sequel um, as uh, as it even sounds like it would be. So I get it, and uh, I think I'm gonna have a different feeling about that one. And uh, but I don't know. We'll see. But, so uh, again, that is 1961's The Hustler. Again, this is only the second time I've seen it, but I and I liked it a lot the first time. I liked it yeah. even more this time. I believe. Yeah, so. and I know we didn't talk as much during this one either, but it's just such a direct movie that kind of speaks for itself i think and yeah. uh still a big massive fan of it i uh, really love it um stuff for you do too but so next yeah. week again we're going to be hitting 1986's color of money which is of course a sequel um but the, by the time you'll be hearing this it'll be uh the 23rd the 23rd be friday the earliest it. you'll have heard it anyways uh yep. friday the 23rd of 2021 but, uh april 22nd is earth day and mm-hmm. you know we're respecters and lovers of the environment yep. and uh so is christopher eccleson uh one of our very favorite actors yep. uh he dropped and, his phone in the toilet. Yeah, and uh, the leftovers. So <laughs> yeah, he was one. I know a lot of people know him from Doctor Who, and yeah, and things. But yeah. we really know him from the leftovers. Uh, he was also the villain, so to speak, of Thor: The Dark World. Although I think Kevin Feige was the real villain of Thor: The Dark World. Yeah. We'll leave that for another day. Um, probably never again. Actually, bringing that up. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we'd love to just impart some Earth Day wisdom and Earth Day sentiments from Eccleston himself, which you'll yeah. hear at the very end. So, and you yeah. know what? Is the same color of uh, the environment that's green, money. the color of money. So, so yeah. next yep. week we'll be back with the color of money. So take care. God bless. I'm walking in Heaton Park in Presswich in Salford. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful parks in the country. I've been coming here since I was a kid. It really is a beautiful place and it's covered in shit by people who have picnics and leave their Coke bottles and their wrappers, there's shit everywhere. Use nappies, they just 
foul it up. And I tell you what, I hope nature takes its revenge on you, every single one of you, that leaves shit on the floor and in parks. And what you've done to Heaton Park is disgusting. And I hope the planet turns round and shits on you. Bye.